and welcome to Darker Days Radio presents Dark Hammer, a Darker Days Radio podcast devoted to the worlds of Warhammer, including Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, Warhammer 40k Roleplay Wrath and Glory, and the Age of Sigma Roleplay uh, Soulbound. I'm one of your regular hosts, Chris, and as always, I am joined by David. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Um... It's been a while since we've recorded one of these. It's been a while since we've done this, isn't it? So, yeah, um, yeah. In that time, I mean, we'll we'll we may as well talk about our news and hobby. Obviously, in that time, a lot has been going on. We've yeah. uh, we've done convention stuff, so we've uh, we've had panels for things like uh, we've had Crystal has done panels for like Gen Con. Gen Con has been gone. Uh, I ran a panel on how to get into RPG writing for UK uh, Games Expo's Virtually Expo, uh, which was really well received. Um, We have a panel coming up that we've recorded in advance for PAX Online, which is about scaring players respectfully, which is essentially about how do you do horror and tension in a way that, you know, does not cause... Uh, revulsion from your players you know because the one thing you, you you want to you want them to feel immersed in your stories but you don't want to be like you know using content which is you know triggering to them and when we say triggering we mean in the proper way not triggering as in poor taste you know there's crassness always in games and people will always be like that we're talking about triggering where players make it clear and even the gm being a player make it clear what content they're willing to engage with and how you can address that while still obviously having a horror rpg because horror rpgs have a certain baseline to cover obviously at uk games expo uh cubicle seven uh had uh and and also for gen con had a number of uh panels and videos those videos were on youtube um there's quite a cool list of things out isn't there david Oh, good, yeah. I was just going through, looking at what they've got. Um, they've announced a hell of a lot for all of the main Warhammer lines that they're doing. So um, there's a lot of Uberzreich stuff coming out for Warhammer Fantasy. Um, so a few individual advances on that one. Um, there's They've just announced the release of the first scenario or book for Soulbound Shadows in the Mist, um, mm-hmm. which is going to be kind of an epic multi-books um, campaign called, and so the first book's called Blood Tide. That is coming out early next year by the look of it. Uh, yeah, and that one's set all around, uh, in and around <laughs> Anvil Guard, which um, I wrote two scenarios based in and around Anvil Guard for the um, Cities uh, Cities of Flame expansion that came with the uh, the storyteller, well, sorry, story, GM uh, screen for Soulbound. So uh, there's a lot you can tie into. And again, lots of scenarios from that you can tie into. Um, yeah, so we've got Death on the Right. They also announced some things to do with extra careers coming up and Beastery, I think, for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, or was that for Soulbound? There's champion, there's champions of order. Um, yes, we also mentioned Demon Slayers and things. Um, and Champions of Order is exciting because that will contain uh Lumineth as playable yeah. archetypes, uh, predominantly plus new archetypes for the other uh factions of order um and then 40k we've got lots of the 40k one yeah 
Just yeah, we've got the Forsaken please. Player's Guide, um, which will, as it says, 20 new playable archetypes, complete with new mm -hmm. war gear abilities and psychic powers. Three new playable species, Ogrins, Rattlings, and Croot. Uh, downtime Endeavor System, so essentially what's in Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Uh, yeah, and expanded information about the, the factions in, um, in the Gilead system and you know patrons and so forth and backgrounds you can use and information on those that's so that's essentially you know that's your core gm expansion to the the core game and you know there are more things coming beyond that uh which i can't remember what's exactly been announced so we're not going to talk too much about that but we've got like artwork like Confessor, which is a tier two Adeptus Ministratum uh, archetype, a tier three Adeptus Soriatus uh, archetype, which is a sister Dialogus, and a Sicarian Rustalker. I'm so three. excited about this. Yeah, it's so yeah, the art is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, 40k is exciting. Obviously, you know, I and yourself are working on more 40k content as well for yeah. the RPG. So, it will turn up in due course um but that's that's cubicle seven obviously there's more stuff as well but go over to the website as always yeah. check it out there's lots of great things now gw obviously with the lack of gen con uh and the lack of of in-person uk games expo i uh, did a teaser weekend and oh my god so uh what's happened since we last recorded 40k ninth uh, you got the commands box, yeah, yeah. So it, that came out. I think it was announced by the time we we'd done another episode. I think it'd been announced then, but now we yeah. have the Indomitus box is out and sold out. Um, yes, no longer in production. Um, they did produce it to order for a few weeks afterwards, but that has now stopped. Um, I was lucky enough to get my hands on a copy. Um, which is really cool. The Necrons in it are amazing. The Space Marines, I'm not a big fan of them, so they got turned into um, grim, dark, stormcast Eternals. Um, which I got a, I got on eBay some of the uh, five Assault Marines, which are fantastic models. The Assault in the Assault Intercessor Primaris. The one, are they the one, they're the ones with the uh, the wonderful chainsaws, aren't they? Bring back chainsaws. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a painting guide on the blog on how to paint them up as uh, blood ravens using predominantly contrast paints. It's dead simple. Um, contrast all... paints are a godsend for, for good, quick paint jobs. Yeah, and uh, I'm currently painting a uh, Daughters of Cane army using contrast paints. Just again, for the same reason, I just wanted to paint a quick army and also a Warcry warband. Um, Which brings on to the new Warcry. Well, I was going to say with 40k okay. also, I mean, it's not the end of Indomitus because we've got um, the new starter sets as well. So there's yes. three starter sets. Three different level entry levels. So all of them have the core rules. None of them have the big, like, hardback, full, you know, with all the fluff um, core book that came in Indomitus. There's a different one as well. And I got one of the Indomitus uh, rule books because obviously people were splitting boxes, which is a fantastic a book. book as well. Like, it really harks back to, like, I, I really get a feel, second ed feel from it uh, with some of the artwork. 
Um, yeah. But the fact that they've got the space throughout it, they've included people's armies and staff armies. So you get to yes. kind of more, more of that hobby side of it as well and interviews with their, their, their created their own forces, which I thought was a real nice little touch. And there's um, one of the starter sets, the lot, the big one, the command one, I think it is, has commander or something. Yeah, has fantastic terrain in it, and like a car, uh, a, uh, a, a what a twenty twenty two by thirty three inch board, I think. Yeah, so kind of near to your kill team size board. So one of the things that has, I know we're not gonna, we're not meant to really talk about the, the actual tabletop is, but. One of the new things that they have brought in in the ninth edition is they've changed the table table sizes. It's no longer six by four as a standard. Um, they have varying table sizes um, depending on the size of the armies and stuff that you play. Um, but it's not a standard six by four table anymore. And so this I think box has that kind of built into it. Yeah, because you can also get a terrain pack that doubles up the terrain and has one of those boards, and that means you then have a full size thing. Funny fact here. The four boards that come in um, Speed Freaks, which was a beer and, pre beer and pretzel kind of like, you know, Gorkamorka light kind of game with yeah. trucks and bikes shooting the crap out of each other. Those four boards awesome. is the new size gaming board table. Uh, gaming oh, nice. Size. Yeah, I was like, oh, hold on a minute. This is the right size. So I've got that already. Maybe it was a test. Maybe it was a test to see whether the size works. Well, also, yeah, and also you could easily use, um, you can also use two of your Warcry boards uh, yep. that match up to be a board for uh, 40k as well. So there's actually lots of ways you could have a gaming table uh, quite happily. Um, the other thing which I think is really important about 40k knife, and this represents how I'm collecting, I don't know about you, David, but combat patrols. So it's like sports. Crusade. Yeah, and yeah. Crusade as well. Yeah. So it allows uh, small-scale games, and you can then slowly build up. But the point is that even though you're building up the roster of your army with new units, you're only ever playing a certain size game, as in, like, yeah. what we would call in 40k points terms, like, 500 points. You can even play with less. There's no reason why you can't play with less. But that's how I've gone about it. And... Blackstone Fortress, I'm basically I've got two combat patrols, well kind of, I've got one which is my Servants of the Abyss with Traitor Guard Glore, and it's like 40 odd models, and so it's like wow that's because you've got a lot of that's, that's, that's a lot, yeah cannon fodder. it's cannon fodder, <laughs> it's crap <laughs> but then my Rogue Trader, so I got the Elucid, the Elucidum Star Striders who came from the Kill Team Rogue Trader game Box game. yeah, really want those Nice minis. Them plus well, them, you know, Alusta and her her um, voidsman plus uh, the squad of blood ravens plus um, the archivist, so the Zote from Blackstone Fortress, and yeah. I think two squads of five Van Saar, who I'm using as stand-ins for uh, Scions, so, you know, basically yeah, Stormtroopers yeah. and Scions, who are basically your elite um, Adeptus Militarum. So they're kind of, what I'm calling Techcom, their tech company, which, you know, they look the part. That, yeah. for me, is 500 points. <laughs> That's a, That's a lot for 500 points. 
Well, it, it's only 20 models. So it's those 20, like an astropath and so forth, versus the horde of, of, of chaos. I know who I put my guard. And it's like, but that's really, right. that's really, it's really characterful because it's just, I call it the away team from like the starship that they're in. <laughs> and that's just, that's, a, so that's what I'm gunning for is like that kind of classic second edition 40K kind of feel. Yeah, it's kind of how um, my group, when we play, we look for those small, small scale games where we can create a story over, over that whole large scale battle thing. We want kind of the individual smaller games where we can really get behind our characters. And with, with what they've done with Crusade, that allows us to kind of build on that as well. They've actually built in a system now where you can level up in a, in a respect your, your characters and your units. So. Um, I'm currently kit bashing fully. Kit bashing every single model is going to be mashed together somehow. Um, mm. Crusade, Gene Steel Cult, possibly add Mech Force at the moment. Not quite sure which way I'm going to go with it, but they're all going to just be. It's effectively going to be a Imperial Guard esque army um, from a Hive world. Um, but using the rules of Genius Occults or something to to um, make the flavour of it. So there'll be kitbash bikes in there. There's, they've, I've got two um, gang units already built and painted, which will just be kind of your neophytes and things. So um, it's going to be a hell of a lot of modelling and a hell of a lot of models for not very many points. So I'm a little bit, but it's going to look epic and it's going to look different. So. And related to that, we've got the final expansion of Blackstone Fortress. Now I'm uh, like one, yes, I'm mm. one kind of exploration away from doing the final, from doing the last stronghold before I can go on to the final fight in Blackstone Fortress. That's been great fun. So Blackstone Fortress brings us to the grand finale with um, the Guardian drones, which are these huge version of the spindle drones that exist in the Blackstone Fortress. So they're basically ancient, the technology of the ancients who fought the Necrons back in the War in Heavens. And um, their 40k rules are like scary. And the fun thing about them and the spindle drones are unaligned. You can take them in any army you want, much like the Zote. So, you know, I could have a rogue trader Combat patrol knocking around with some guardian drones for the hell of it. Um, because again, why not? Yeah. Or, or the army I really want to collect next is um, to do a Drakari uh, army because I've got um, yeah Hellions and jet bikes from Gangs of Kamara, which I still think is a fantastic game. I still need to get you to play it. Fucking yeah, awesome. I definitely. That's one of this one of the board games that I really desperately want to play. Um, so you can actually, the more I think about it, the way they do wounds in that and so, so forth, you can kind of again see some of the DNA of um, of Warcry in there. Yeah, which leads us to Warcry. What's coming out for Warcry? Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, new new starter box for Warcry. And oh, yeah. when I saw that, I I was so so excited. So there's um. Warcry is coming out uh, late this year. Later this year, they're going to have a new starter box. It has two completely new gangs in it and expanding on the storyline of um, the eight points. So you've got in there, you've got uh, the gang, which is actually the, the band, which is actually mentioned in the original rule book, 
the Scions of Flame, they actually are now being released, but in that starter box. And as well, there is the, um, uh, what are they called? I'm going to say Dark Elves. I can't remember what they're actually called in Warhammer. They're the, the Knight something or other. Yeah. Um, shadows. But they, they bring back that, that really, they really do bring to me back that image of the classic Warhammer fantasy Dark Elf Assassins. Yeah, because what we've got is, Mixed. is we've got, as you say, you've got the, the kind of Dark Elf Assassins of, of the world that was, which is great. Yeah. There's design elements, which, and also certain one of them look more like classic kind of Daughters of Cain witch elves, but with cloaks. Yeah. Then we've all, what these build upon is the thing, we the first true Age of Sigmar elf, I guess, that we saw. Yeah. In the very first Warhammer Quest, Age of Sigma, or Silver Tower, which was the um, Mist Race, no Mistweaver, the Mistweaver, which is a really cool model that I still want for um, yeah, Warcraft. No, right, yeah, it's it's out of production. But I think you can, you can buy it individually. You can't buy Warhammer Quest; that's out of production. But you can buy the individual <laughs> miniature. miniature. But, but yeah, that's really cool, and that's a warband I really want because I've been painting. Daughters of Cain, uh, because I got the Morgwaifs uh, Blade Coven for Beastgrave. Yeah. Which is basically the very core of a Warcry Warband, because you've got like yeah. a Sister of Slaughter, two Witch Elves, a, a Bloodstalker, which is on the Snake Ladies, Snake Lady with Bow, and a uh, Hag Priestess. Yes. Uh, so you've got an alternative sculpt. They're really cool in Age of Sigma, but they're also really cool as the core of a um, of a Warcry Warband. Warcry, Warcry, so definitely. that plus I'm painting what uh, I've got the start collecting Waters of Cain box, the a box of Kinerai, the ones with the bat wings, and that's a thousand points basically. Canaries, there. Yeah. I've got them with the bat yeah. ladies. With this new warband, plus a few endless spells and command points, that's a thousand points, and it's like, okay, that's great. It's a nice, and I've I've got some daughters of Cain, and they're really nice on the table. They are brutal. Yeah. They are very very. Cool. So in this Warcry set, what's interesting is that I think it's going to be lower price point. Yeah. Um, we don't know yet. Um, it's going to be. I suspect it. To guess because one of the things they've done is they've. So with the original Warcry, you had two sides to the board. So you had um, a darker, kind of more inside-y, twisted uh, ground. And then on the other side, you had a, uh, a deserty kind of area. But this new set, you've got the above ground um, that we've seen before. But then you flip it over, and this is where the new set is expanding upon the story, is you've actually got underground caverns and lava flows. Um, in a way, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Necromunder boards, where you can actually build bridges over things, and it's a lot darker, and that's expanding upon it. So because we've got two things, we're getting two lots of terrain. So we're getting a little bit from the original box and some yeah. new terrain. Now, there's you know what? Terrain, so it's hard to judge on the price point, but possibly slightly cheaper. I think it'll be slightly cheaper because you don't quite have whole terrain from the original box it's like no. half the amount it's basically the two it's the two it's one of the boxes you can buy individually now 
essentially. Now, a load of scattering for the underground bit. Yeah, and the door, the archways, which is very classic Warhammer Quest. I thought with that. I, I instantly said Hero Quest when I saw it. So what I'm thinking is what you can potentially we might see. I wonder if they'll do a, a um a pop out tile set of corridors and rooms. You can create any crazy two D environment for Warcry. That would be cool. That reminds me a bit of like playing um uh, a different game by a different company. Uh, confront. Uh, so the confrontation was by Brackham. They did a game called Hybrid, which was basically PvP, player versus player, kind of dungeon crawly in in ancient laboratories so it's totally 2d with doors and corridors and rooms and so forth and so it reminds me a lot of that and people go oh well, it's just going to be corridors but that changes the play style because you don't have huge line of sight you can have models block yeah. entrances so they can use their like their size and their the hit points to block uh, objectives um, become, a, become a become a piece of terrain but there's no reason why you can't make that too more 3D like Necromunda, as you said, because in Necromunda you can have the walls go only up so high, and then you have, you know, obviously passageways and, and walkways over into other areas. So I think it's more of a case of here's something that's very quick and easy to put on the table. But you could do something much more. You and can I'm certainly quite build, build around it. So what that brings us just reminded me of something that I meant to be doing at the moment, but I've just kind of gone on the back burner. Um, next year, we're, we're playing a kind of themed invitational game of Warcry. And I'm building a board for this, and it's going to be the ruins of a Caradron skyship. And so it's going to be on multiple layers. So we know that Warcry has the ability to play on multiple layers. So it's going to be nice, to, interesting to see how it actually works when we do go up like two, three, four different layers. Oh yeah, I'm I'm almost like whether it'll work or not. It's gonna look amazing, but it might not work as a game yet. So I did it on this on the Twitch show. I, I textured paint those um desert terrain like rock kind of formations that I need to finish. And they're like I think the tallest one is about nine inches tall, so it's like really tall, like really tall kind of war cry terrain. Yeah. Um yeah, that's I'm really hoping that we can get more scenery from Games Workshop that will provide this extra depth. In both, yeah, and Necromunda as well, because we're seeing some really nice scenery come out of Necromunda, but kind of more, more vertical, more vertical. Yes, I think that's basically it. I mean, we've seen lots of new Necron stuff, and the plot lines evolve for that. We've got, uh, was there anything else new for Warhammer? Oh no, of course, the big thing is the um, uh, the Shattered Realms. Is it Shattered Realms? Broken Realms. Broken Realms. Yeah. Broken realms. The um the new book based on Morathi coming out, um, yeah, on the storyline. So when Age of Sigma was originally released, it was always stated that it was going to be a progressing storyline. Um, first edition did it a little bit, but when we saw the creation of second edition and we got the the Necroquake and the rise of Nagash and the legions of Nagash, we saw the storyline actually start to move, and this. These books, there's going to be a series of books under the term Broken Realms. The first one is based around Marathi, and we're going to start to see a progression of the actual story again, 
within uh, within mainly fluff is what we're thinking at the moment. That we're not expecting too many rules to come out for it, but we are starting to see that the storyline is progressing, and mm. it brings us into kind of where we are with with Darker Days Radio and Dark Hammer. We can start to see the stories and fluff behind um, the Age of Sigma realms and what's going on, which allows us then to delve deeper into our soulbound role plays as we know more about the realms themselves and what's going on in the current time. It's interesting because obviously this represents Marathi's kind of move to full godhood status because she's her, got... her, her continuing attempt. To be... Yeah, and she's forever sworn to do. And I think really the full kind of like almost vengeance war of the elves on the chaos gods, <laughs> which is. Yeah. Which is obviously, um, obviously well overdue. We've had Nash like you know go along and um, do a whole load of stuff, as well as invading the eight points. I've not read up on on the full wrath of the ever chosen and and what Nagash has done on invading the eight points. But I really think we're beginning to see kind of like I think. Sigma has a very different feel now to Warhammer, where Warhammer was like, everyone mm. would do something, but the Chaos Gods are always kind of like in an inevitable mm. end. I think we're seeing yeah. much more like, we're going to take things back. But it's going to be at what cost? Um, yeah. Which is always fun. Okay, I think that's enough on hobby and catching up. <laughs> Obviously, there's tons of pictures and stuff blogs, painting schemes, go to the blog for that. Um, I need to stream some more stuff at some point, but I've been trying to plow through painting stuff and not being interested in streaming, uh, mainly because you know it takes some setting up and I'm doing lots of other stuff, like writing more stuff. Uh, but we will stream some more things. Obviously, we didn't stream anything last week for um, uh, for Wrath and Glory playthrough, but we'll be doing more of that with Gehenna Gaming. And then I'm sorting out a new guest player so we're gonna have a swap round because i think david you'll be back on and swap out one yes. of the guys who wants to have a bit of a break we're bringing a new player so we can see more of the bridge crew right moving then on to our main topic an orc. About, an orc. yeah an orc, yeah uh, our main topic <laughs> will be space marines So, Space Marines are iconic yeah. to 40k. Um, obviously, they're inspired by numerous bits of science fiction uh, fiction uh, before 40k became a thing. Uh, we're not going to go into that, but it's it's quite obvious where you can see the DNA of, of them. To our Space Marines, well, what rock have you been under in 40k <laughs> if, you've, if you don't know what they are? But basically, they are Eight foot tall superhumans that genetically are genetically engineered religious nuts. Yeah, they're they're essentially a, a, a one man army. Like if you go by the novels, which are ver varying in their descriptions, a marine is capable of taking on quite happily an entire guard platoon and destroying <laughs> it. Uh, you know, the classic, I think, is like an entire squad of Terminators could, like, pacify an entire hive world if they needed to. Um, 
yeah, so basically, I'll, I'll do the, I'll, I'll start with the introduction here, and then um, when I get bored, I'll hand over. Um, so, <laughs> in the deepest, darkest origins of Space Marines, um, essentially starts not with Space Marines, but with the Thunder Warriors. So, when the Emperor, during the turn of the end of the Age of Strife, M30, went to unify Earth. Uh, and Earth is being devastated by numerous wars and essentially have what are known as techno-barbarians. And yet in his secret labs, and he's like, you know, got laboratory workers and scientists and so forth working for him, some under duress, and they create genetically engineered warriors who are loyal to the emperor called the Thunder Warriors. Now they were apparently more powerful than the Space Marines, more powerful potentially than even the Custodians, which are kind of a Space Marine of their own type. But basically, they because of this, though, they were unstable and short-lived and absolute brutal killers. But essentially, the Emperor used them to pacify the planet, take it back under control, and unify it. Having unified the Earth, or now Terra, as it is known, uh, he develops... Primarchs, who we know there are 20 of them, and are the genetic template to space marines. The Primarchs were stolen away by the, the ruinous powers and spread throughout the galaxy, and instead the Emperor had to make do with the, the Adeptus of Star, his legions. Now, these legions are numerous, there were, there were many, and Basically, they are superhumans. They are, you know, larger, stronger. They have various chemical and uh, psychological treatments to make them loyal, expert killers. And they have to be essentially adapted to the genetic engineering that occurs because they're not born space marines. They take potential recruits and they start installing within them special organs that enhance their growth, enhance their strength, give them new abilities like to eat people's brains and learn from the memories, spitting acid, all these numerous things which we generally call gene seed. And this is basically the, the foundation of his great crusade that goes from, from Earth to, to the Moon, and from the Moon to Mars, and from there onwards, because the warps, warp storms have gone, and he can go forth and unify all the ancient um, ancient colonies under his control. And as he does so, he finds the Primarchs, of which, well, there are 20 legions, only 18 rem we know remain. There are 20 Primarchs, but actually it's not quite true, because two of the... One Primarch is actually a twin with this, what is it, Alpha and Omicron, which is basically the Alpha League. Alpharius and Omicron. Alpharius. Yeah, and it's it's very complicated whether they're even loyalists or not, uh, blah, blah, blah. Or whether there's even two of them. Yes, it's... All of it. Yeah, complicated, and it's like, you read the Horus Heresy novels, which I've not, because there's a lot. Um the point is, the, by finding Primarchs, he's able to, the Emperor is able to extract their genome um, that you know, was lost to stabilize the, the 
legions of marines and each each primarch then leads a legion of marines so you know you have um Lionel Johnson leading the Dark Angels. You have uh, Lehman Rust leading the Space Wolves. You have Angron leading the World Eaters and so forth. And then that means the worlds they were discovered on become the home worlds of the legions. Uh, and you know, that's great, it stabilizes them, but, but the gene seed is still not totally stable. There are genetic instabilities that come out as they extract gene seed grow from it new organs that they install in new marines that causes errors and certain marine legions and chapters are thus uh, prone to these problems such as the blood angels they fall to the dark rage and a blood frenzy and the space wolves are prone to turning into wolf men hybrids and various other nonsense and of course chaos marines we're not going to talk about here they're a whole they're a whole Fuck up of genetic problems. Whole other, whole other story there. <laughs> so that's where we're up to, basically. Um, they were formed into legions, and which consisted of many thousands of warriors. There was the Horse Heresy. Horus led his legion. The Lunar Wolves, the sons of Horus, who took half the legions with them, fought against the Emperor and the other half. Uh, you know, numerous legions suffered great losses, and the, and the traitor legions fled to the Eye of Terror, devoted themselves to the ruinous powers. And, all, yeah, and of course, to, to, to prevent one man ever commanding so much military power, the loyalist legions were split into chapters, which consist typically, let's just say, of a thousand warriors, though that is not... That is if you go by the codex rules, laid down by the Primarch of the Ultramarines, Reboot Gilliam, but basically a thousand warriors, plus or minus a few others who, like, you know, do other stuff for the Legion. But there's, look, consider it's a thousand fighting warriors, like actual run-of-the-mill soldiers in their, in their chapter. Um... Black Templars, as you David, they're like five to six thousand Marines because they have like what, like monastery ships that go. Yeah, on. they they look at their crusades that they go on. Yeah, so there, there's a few in the chapters didn't particularly like the Codex Astartes that Rubot Gilliman came out with, so they followed their own structure. They reduced their numbers drastically, but you're looking at at least in most of them less than ten thousand. Um, usually floating around the one to two, maybe three thousand. And these numbers are also more messed up because we now yeah. have Primaris Marines, the Grey Shields, who were were basically created from a store of gene seed, a, a most perfect template of genetic material that uh, Belsarius uh, all had given to him by Reboot Gilliam before Reboot was like mortally injured and put in stasis. So these Primaris Marines have been like developed over like ten thousand years. And they are legion. There are loads of them, and they make yep. chaos marines look like pitiful. Though, actually, FYI, ninth edition, forty k, all space marines, even classic space marines, have now two wounds. Yep. So, and all marine. It's not just space marines; all marines. So you are looking at chaos marines and getting two. Scary. You've got your ner. You've got your nurgle plague marine. Out with two wounds and high toughness. Eee! 
back to the old school days. I think now having fifth and sixth edition. Yeah, wow. Well, that's fun. that's really fun. I mean, anyway, it's fun. Yeah. Um. So that's where we're up to, and then um, there have been numbers of uh, you know. So the first founding is when uh, the legions were, I think it's the first word they call it, second founding. They basically, they split the legions into chapters. And some chapters, yes. Subsequent chapters are formed using genetic stock. So it means chapters, numerous chapters draw from one of the original chapters. So the vast majority of chapters are altering, basically, so genetic stock is very stable. There are little to no space wolf. There were no Space Wolf founding. I think there was one that went rogue, wasn't there? Um, then there's a few Blood Angels ones, a few Dark Angels. Again, you get that same thing with the Dark Angels. Some go one way, some go the other way. But that's a different story for a different... <laughs> yeah. And the cool thing about this is, if you go to the Wrath and Glory rulebook, and obviously I'm sure in the future we'll detail these things, um, yeah. You look at building, you create your space from character, and you go, well, I want to play a dark angel, but I want to be a dark angel. I want to be here. Well, then you can either use one of the other successor chapters as your color scheme, as your history. Some of these chapters do have a well-laid-out history as well. Yep. Or you can just create a brand-new like found chapter, like be another blood angel chapter that's in this arse end of nowhere in the 40k universe be a blood angel that isn't a blood angel you're i don't know let's call them uh the tears of baal so they're like you yeah. know baal is the home world of the blood angels tears of baal because of blood drops that sounds pretty cool and you can have white armor with blood with red blood drips on them that's cool i like the sound of that um there are other foundings um so what is it 26 foundings 30 family we'll never talk about. They all went wrong. Uh, the 20 yeah, dark founding just... Yeah. 26th founding is the ultimate founding, which has all the Primaris Marines in there. And how the Primaris get, inter, inter, uh, get installed within the original chapters and so forth is obviously not an easy story. Um, and... Yeah, there's there's a lot you can do. So space marines yeah. are not boring, and even ultramarines aren't boring. Actually, you know, there's a lot of individual heraldry, history, fighting styles you can get into. Um, I'm a big fan of blood ravens. They're very cool color scheme, um, and they are dodgy. Um, they because they may <laughs> well be they may well be. Did using going stock from Thousand mm. Suns. Um, Shh, don't talk about that. That might be true. But the other cool one is, uh, we'll briefly say, is Grey Knights because they are apparently yes. created from the genetic stock of the Emperor himself. And yep. they were founded by the Inquisition using. Uh, a f using a few survivors from Istvan Four, the the, the from the mass, the grand massacre that happened there, the the traitorous massacre that ha happened there. So one of the original founders of the Grey Knights is actually a Death Guard, which I think is the greatest thing ever. The fact that there are loyalist Marines from traitor legions is the 
coolest shit ever. Um, these, these guys, like the great the Grey Knights, they are your ultimate demon hunters. They are the ones trained to fight against the warp. So, in a way, it kind of makes sense that the traitor guards are good at this because they're kind of they 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 felt it. They've known it. They're committed to like uh, erasing their legacy, their 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 traitorous legacy they're born from. Um, custodians, as we mentioned, they're even bigger, uh, more powerful than a marine. Have better armor. Yeah. Uh, they're they're crazy and powerful. They're 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 built, designed, created to uh, protect the emperor's uh, Emperor. throne, throne world. Uh, but they have gone on crusades now uh, mm-hmm. as part of the Indomitus Crusade and have killed other Primaris Marines for unknown reasons. So there seems to be a schism uh, ready to erupt there. With the whole psychic awakening and this entire yeah. seed coming out, there have been hints in some of the stories that have come out that um, legions and um, chapters are starting to fall again. Um, so I'm expecting to see some really interesting developing on that front, um, especially if the cutouts are going out and going, oh, well, yeah, yeah. That, that's not quite right. That's a little bit heretical stab. Um, so we could start seeing um, a lot more of that happening. And there's a lot of a cool thing. I mean, also the idea of gene seed, which we'll get into, is important because obviously the there's classic things like Storm of Iron. The Iron Warriors stole a whole cache of gene seed yeah. to create new Chaos Marines. Um which are Imperial mm-hmm. Fists, I think, is genetic stock they stole. Yeah, and, and obviously Fabius Bile, the, the great uh, genetic um, madman that he is uh, for the Emperor's children, though he's now basically unaligned. He's unaligned. Um, he is obviously stealing gene seed from... Primaris Marines to you know reverse engineer it all so we can make Primaris Chaos Marines. I guess is the aim. So it'll be yeah. interesting when we see that. That's that's basically the history of where they come from, Marines. I mean, I, you know, we could go on for ages on that. But let's talk about how you make a Marine. So, David, do you want to drill into this? Ooh, okay. Um, so, how do we get from a human? to a Marine. So most, most, as we mentioned earlier, um, most chapters of Space Marines, they have a home world. Um, and this is where they recruit from. So um, and within these homewards, a lot of the chapters were specific kind of rites of passage um, for, the, for the, native, the natives who live there. Um, I think it's the salamanders. Um, they pick the best hunters who have gone out and actually hunted the great fire drakes of of, of the world, um, and the one and the young hunters who who do well at this. They pick those. Um, most of the cr- recruits, though, however, are generally mature adults. They are younger, um, as it allows it's easier for um, certain training to happen, certain uh, indoctrination and for the gene seeds to take take to them. Um, so 
um, we've we put here that most of the most of the male. This is not always the case. Um, though there's little evidence against that. Um, but um, when when the gene seed is planted, the the space marines themselves, um, or the recruits, I should say, because they're still recruits at this time, you don't become a space marine until quite a long way down this. Um, you are selected, you are then tested physically, mentally, and genetically to make sure you're compatible with the um, gene seeds and the hormones that you're going to be put into it, um, which then starts to change your body um, only if there's a successful implantation. So not always, so you could be the perfect warrior, you could be genetic sound, but the organ just might not take. So it's not always guaranteed that you're actually going to become space marine. Once you've had all this kind of testing and things being and you've got the organs put in which will allow the gene seeds to take over your body and control your body and the hormones start to take on, you change quite drastically. Um, you start to become stronger, faster, quicker mentally. Um, you start becoming a perfect warrior in a way, um, physically. Um, it's not something I know too much about this because um, space marines are not my favorite part. Of it. So yeah, I, just, I mean, I'm doing it. I'll 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 drop in. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So as you said, like they're recruited dominantly male because the gene seed are you know it's it's about you know you're using hormones and chemicals to cause growth. And while we say that, you know, they, oh, the, all Marines are male, but by the end of this process, Marines are barely human. Like, yeah. they, like that's why the bit yeah. desires and the, the hormones that have been put into them are hormones to remove the, those kind of desires and kind of instill in that and help with the, yeah. of the, the indoctrination and stuff. So. And that kind of fits with the idea that angels are deaf. Because if you think about it, angels from the Bible and so forth don't have reproductive organs. They they are above humanity. They look human, but they are not. And in the same way, space marines look human, but they are not. They are effectively through the psychotherapy and chemically are essentially castrated because it has no purpose for them. And actually the last thing you want in order to control a loyal fighting force like these is to have them be able to breed. So, you know, it makes sense that all of that is tailored to remove that. And, you know, it's just, it just, it, that's what the way, I guess, it could have been either gender was picked, but, you know, male, you know, through genetics tend to grow bigger, maybe we can go with, but like, at the end of the day, then they're barely human. I mean, even using the term male for a suit for a space marine is kind of superfluous. I think it's like when 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 eighth edition got released and the primaris were were top were, were released. The way Games Workshop released the primaris was they never said it was a new version of space marines. They said it was a new race. So that's the way. Yeah, space marines and primaris they are. Kind of an evolution of humanity into a species 
rather than yeah. human. They're kind of an evolved species that come from humans. Like we're evolved species from the ape family. Hmm. And Marines, you know, the recruits are selected, as you said, from various things. So you've got death worlds, uh, you've got places like Fenris, which is an icy death world, and the recruits have to like drink from a, a cup of wolfen, I think, as part of the final stage, and yep. they briefly sure transform they into, into part wolf men, and yep. then they get the last implantation, and then they turn back into a they turn into a marine. Um, Imperial Fists recruit from are based on Earth, but that makes recruitment a bit difficult. So that's why they also recruit from. Um, they recruit from because Earth isn't <laughs> Earth isn't a, isn't like a uh, a place where you're going to see much fighting. So the Imperial Fists recruit from Necromunda. Um, and so yeah, Hive Worlds are are a perfect stomping grounds for Marines to yeah. recruit from. Uh, and yeah, the gene seed is this. Um, gene seed is a is is this uh, what they call the progenoid gland, which they extract, and from that, so it's basically a stem cell. It's a it's specialized yeah. like cluster of stem cells that grows into specific um, organs that are then installed in a marine, uh, which. You know, it's it's a bit like you you know, you think about it, and it's like the human body is a, is able of doing certain things if you are conditioned to do mm. it, um, and that's basically what the marine training program is in in some respects. So there's like, what what have we got here? Uh, so yeah, gene seed is extracted, they grow it, prone to mutation, as we said, like space wolves grow canines, blood angels also grow their canines, but more like the black style. <laughs> first comes over them and yeah, you get the, uh, the death company, their black arm. And then we've got, um, what, 19 organs that can be, that are installed. Not all of them, not all chapters actually are able to grow all their um, organs appropriately though i think the primaris marines given they're stable no matter which chapter they're assigned to have everything yeah, um they've got more space because they're bigger and they get like a secondary heart they get this osmodula which promotes growth increased bone density so they begin to, what marines do is they eat supplements that contain calcium and other ceramics mm. so they actually their bones incorporate like ceramic material uh, yeah. their rib cage is becomes fully enclosed, which makes it impervious to traditional firearms. We just say they can spit poison, sleep half the brain at any one time, like a pigeon. Um, <laughs> like a pigeon, Marines <laughs> are pigeons, all right. Marines are castrated eunuch pigeons, that's why they're angels of death. Okay, <laughs> it's really hard to get rid of pigeons. Really hard to get rid of a space marine. Really hard to kill a space marine. Makes and Primaris Marines have some extra things, like they have like uh, these sinew coils they put in, which make them stronger again, and make and they grow bigger again. Uh, and things that cause like temporary growth, uh, you know, strength stimulation. And the most important thing is the black carapace. So, uh, what's the black carapace? <laughs> Uh, so, um, 
everybody knows this, the, te- this, the, the standard image of a space marine in that big hulking power armor. Now, that power armor is only the outer suit of what the space marine is. The flat carapace is kind of really the final bit that turns them from a human into the space marine. And it's, it's, it's armor that is implanted into the actual body of the space marine and allows the, the power armor, which is put on the outside, to interface with the, with the body. And so it becomes a full unification of space marine, so man, space marine, person, thing, and the weapons and armors that they own. So they fully interconnect. Um, it allows them to connect to their armor. It allows them to connect to their weaponry better. It allows them to interface with vehicles. So the black carapace is effectively like implanting, a, I don't want to say, but a kind of computer, armored computer within the body that allows <coughs> the, the space in itself to talk in a way to its, its things that it needs. Um, yeah. it's, the, it's the final implant. And it's probably one of the most painful, I would guess. Yeah, it's right under the skin. Yeah. It's like it's actually like a second skin. Yeah. Um it's it's actually quite funny, it's called the black carapace. Uh, if you think about it, it's mostly made from like carbon like graphite nanotubes and shit. Yeah, nanotubes it's, and things like that. Um, it's conducting like nerve stimulation and everything because it's what also allows the full strength enhancement that comes with power armor because, like, Sisters of Battle have power armor. Um, you know, Inquisitors have power armor, but their armor is only like they only interact with their armor with like a, a mind impulse mind unit. But it doesn't give them the full strength enhancement, whereas, like, this allows the full man machine combination. Uh, well, when you see. The models of the Inquisitors, yeah, they have they have big chunky armor. Nine times out of ten, it's no, the power armor is nowhere near as big and chunky. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's basically, and obviously that's an important step, the Black Carapace, because that's the step between a Marine and a, a Neophyte, which is what would be a, a Space Marine Scout. Uh, we don't really get space marine scouts with Primaris Marines, but I think that's basically no, because they, they like they're, they're fully made that way. There's, there are yeah. scout armors that the yes, you got the Primaris Reavers have. on there and interceptors. The Reavers, the interceptors, yeah. So it's, but we don't have space marine scouts. I'm sure we might see Primaris kind of neophytes in future in some form when they decide what they look like. Um, and as we said, like, yeah, there's chemical stimulants, there's food supplements, there's hypnotherapy, there's training, there's... There's all sorts of other stuff going on behind that. So while they're also kind of learning all, all kind of combat stuff, come the fact that they're combat ready, there's other things that they'll be doing as well. So they'll be getting indoctrinated into the cult of the Imperium, the cult of the Emperor. So they'll be regularly um, praying in the, in the temples of their chapter. Um, they'll be conducting rituals over there. Maintain. Um, and they will be constantly, constantly at prayer in a way. Um, when they're not doing some form of combat drill, 
and even some of the ones, some of them will be will be out there during combat. So you have the word bearers. Um, I know they they earned, um, but they were all about spreading the word and were quite zealous in their nature. Um, and so along with this combat training, there is to the Imperium of Man and the cult of the Emperor. And so and he is the way and the light and, and, and the only way that man will survive um, in this dark and twisted universe. Um, it's a very, very large part of it. So they, they cover the body, uh, they cover their armors in purity seals, um, they bless their weapons with with oils and with prayers. Um, each, each individual bullet that goes into their gun is blessed with a prayer. And this has all kind of been instilled with them while they're doing their training um, to follow these strict regimes. Um, which does bring in some interesting points, kind of when you're wanting to play the character, but we'll come into that later. Um, because yes, they are religious yeah. and they are quite heavily indoctrinated. So yeah, so that's that's for a later bit. Yeah. So following on, obviously, yeah, we said yeah, we've gone through what makes a marine. Um, we said briefly about some certain like combat roles, like scouts and interceptors and reavers. So uh, a chapter basically is if we go with the thousand fighters as a standard, but they're split into like generally. Look at the old companies. It's the easiest way, isn't it? Yeah, they're split into ten companies. Each company generally is going to consist predominantly of tactical marines or intercessors. Uh, some companies are more specialized. There'll be assault marines and interceptors or reaver squads. Some will be the veteran that you've got the first company, which is going to be your veterans, which is going to consist of veterans with also wearing Terminator armor or the heavier Gravis armor of the of the Primaris Marines. Yep. Got other companies are predominantly I'd be filled with devastate squads, which is basically the heavy weapons. But those are now, I mean, in game terms, it doesn't make sense to have a squad that has multiple different heavy weapons in it. So you generally have a squad no. which has got dedicated to one particular fighting style. So hell blasters, eradicators, aggressors. And then you've got multiple roles. No more long fangs. That makes me sad. You've got, yeah, you've got multiple roles of, um, of, of, Elite Marines, so let's just say you've got the chapter master, obviously he's in charge of all captains who lead a, a company, lieutenants and sergeants are in charge of like at squad level, and then you've got librarians, chaplains, apothecaries, tech marines, chapter ancient who's like a stand bearer, and a judicare who is like a chapter executioner, and then of course you've also got in there the Marines we haven't really talked about, the ones that die, and get incarcerated in in uh, dreadnoughts. So they're basically their body. Their mind still lives on inside a giant walking robot body. Um, that's how companies are generally structured. Again, this is all detailed much more online. It might be important for how you're running your games, but likely is not because you know you don't want to get drilled into that. But yeah, it gives you an idea of the role. It might be interesting to know which company and which squad that your character comes from. The Marines have a ton of weaponry. Uh, power armor. It is. Power armor is the, the main thing, as we said. Self-enclosed, strength-enhancing uh, armor. It has a 
has an endless supply of power to keep it going. There are numerous uh, patterns of it dating back from the very first Thunder Armor all the way up to the more recent Gravis Armor. Uh, Bring back Beaky Marines. That's all I have to say. Marines, that was Corvus Armor. That was Mark yep. Six. Mark Six. Um, and Mark IV well, with the bubbles on those shoulder pads. Yeah, you've got Terminator Armor, which is in for close quarters and like taking, you know, for boarding actions. It's more powerful than Marine Armor, still more powerful than even um, a Primaris Armor. Ooh, um, that's a debate. That's a debate saying. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't Terminator armor also, I think, classically have like built in not only is it heavy armor, but it also has like a built in force field? It has a, yeah, it has a field, it has um, a force field, which is kind of yeah. that's where the difference between Primaris and Terminator armor kicks in, really. Yeah, and then obviously, Terminator armor allows it to carry really heavy weaponry, and there's a numerous amounts of weaponry you know, LAS cannons, plasma cannons, melter guns. Missile launchers, uh, flamers, auto cannons—the list goes on. But the ubiquitous weapon of a marine has got to be the bolt gun. And the new version of the bolt rifle for the space, uh, the Primaris, just a bigger version. And essentially, what a bolt round is doing, like aside from bolt gun, is it's it's a mini rocket-propelled projectile that when it embeds into its target, so it penetrates, embeds, and only once it's embedded a certain amount of distance, or it runs out of fuel to push it on, only then does it explode. So it's a mass reactive round, they call it. So it embeds rather than just shredding. Uh, I don't know if we've got a real-world example of a weapon that does that. The closest would be something like a hollow point, but that carries on going through. Without going to, yeah. it explodes on the way out. I think it relies on a certain amount of, like, you know, on board. You know, a bolt round is going to have quite a lot of complex shit going on <laughs> yeah. to, to get it to work like that. And then vehicle wise, oh God, there's lots. Like, there's the Ryan. So many. There's the Land Raider, there's the Predator, there's the Classics, and then there's like Razorbacks. Going on in and what's the new stuff? What's the new Primaris stuff? It's like the I have no idea, but they they brought the Land Raider, kind of made the Rhino uh, an anti grav vehicle, haven't they? And, and allowed um, Primaris to fit in it. Um, got those. Ones. Yeah, there's a, there's yeah because the Primaris have like skimmer version of these tanks, and yeah. um, there's also various like you know aircraft that are used by Primaris Marines. Uh, and marines in general, and then marines have their own fleets of of spacecraft. So what, the drop pods, uh, drop pods, yeah, and Thunhawk gunship is like you know kind of iconic. Um, and with the spaceships, obviously they're not all manned by marines because that makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, they will be manned by, I'm sure, troops drawn from the from the imperial fleet crew them because they only want to get from a to b so they can then just land some space marines there space marines aren't going to be doing your run-of-the-mill boring crap so which leads us to the other interesting point actually and this gets us into the bit we're talking about with role playing i guess is that a marine has a single marine has quite an entourage of people 
looking after his arms, his weapons, yep. and doing day-to-day -day tasks around them. But before you even get to a Marine doing stuff in a cadre of characters in Wrath and Glory. Yeah, they'll, 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 have, they'll have brought... And most, most of these people will probably be coming from their home world, um, and they will be um, polishing the armour, um, keeping up the purity seals, um, making sure that the, um, the hormones and the drugs and the food supplements that they need are available to them, um, and just keeping the everyday running of things going on. So space Marine doesn't want to devote his time to cleaning his cabin, does he? He's no, these will be these going to be like monks and serfs and valets and and uh, yeah, like literally just more monks devoted to doing particular tasks for the marine. Um, that's really an interesting point. Actually. With modern market going on in my head, a marine will have possibly, I would say, anywhere between like five to ten people that work for him. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Okay, so we've talked ages about Marines and what they are, where they come from, how you make them. How the hell do we use them in our games of Wrath and Glory? Oh, what's the easy thing to do? The, easy, the easiest thing to do is, I suppose in a way, they're kind of like the, and this is very, very basic, they are your barbarians of, of 40k. They're the ones who will go in and hit hard whether that's with a big gun or with a big fist. Um, they are your big hitters. But that's, that's looking only at the surface of who a Space Marine is. Um, um, they are designed to take out legions of enemies. Um, they are designed to take out lives. They are designed to put down the heretics. And they are powerful. Um, um, you say here, the, it's, they have a brutal view of the Imperium, interspersed with heroism and great all the violence that they all bring. Um, but again, that's, that's kind of the generic image we have of a space marine. As you as listen to us talk there, you know that there's a lot behind that space marine. There's a lot more behind that warrior than just, I'm going to go in there and kill stuff. Um, so it kind of need to look a little bit more kind of in that. Um, but he is, or he or she or it is, is epic. They are mm. always going to be powerful, but it's kind of, if you're in a multiple group, if you're in a mixed party, how do you not fall into the trap of being, always being the one who goes out front because you know you're going to survive? How do you not, how do you make it more of a three-dimensional character? rather than that two-dimensional shield and gun. Uh, yeah, I think that's like, the thing. It's like, you could easily play, as I put in the notes here, you could easily play a game where everyone's playing Marines on the front lines, and you're fighting epic enemies, like you're facing down hordes of Tyranids, and your, mission, your, your game mission is to um, save X person in, the, in some f military fortification before the entire world falls to the, the great devourer that is the Tyranid High Fleet. Or you could be going on some great quest, you know, fight against traitor marines, maybe you come up against, or it becomes that. You know, you go to Pacify World and eventually it transpires there are traitor marines in the, uh, in the shadows. 
and I think that's that that you can do degrees of like either it's very cut and dried, it's obvious what you kind of obvious the story, or you can be a bit more complex and get into like the real nitty gritty about the ancient enmity between marines, which I feel gets more to what you get marines in novels like, especially like things like Storm of Iron and like the novels of I can't remember the ultramarine character, but you know, you get the idea. Um <clears throat> But in a mixed party, I think the important thing is that a marine represents kind of like a anchor point of what the Imperium strives to be. Yeah, You're literally a walking representation yeah, of the Emperor's will. Um, and that, that leads, I think, to some cool roleplay because there's going to be some... You know, you've got, a space marine has a view on the world. Certain characters are, are more than right to pull rank on a marine, and a marine to certain degree should respect that. Like well, they a, won't. Oh, they will, and they won't. Like, yeah, I mean, put any... right. some, some, some won't. Depends, I suppose, on the chapter background that they come from and their. But yeah, inquisitorial stuff. Yeah, go on with that. Inquisitor will pull rank, and I think. Yeah and will have the respect to do that. I think a rogue trader will pull rank and a marine will respect in the right circumstances. If, and I think that's if a point. the rogue trader is asking for the right kind of help, I think the marine will go with it. And a marine can easily be attached to a rogue trader because even rogue trader fleets can have like potentially have the entire chapter of space marines like with them uh due to some ancient oath and, and uh, space foreign. marines have to travel between places sometimes maybe their fleet has been been damaged and the next thing that's available to them is a road trip so they'll have to well, yeah commandeer or use the road trader to travel which then kind of you get the interaction between them there and you know, a noble and his crew are going to like you know, fraternize with other uh, people in the Imperium. So you kind of get that fish out of water thing with a space marine. Like again, as we said, they're they're barely human interacting with a bunch of fallible humans, um, which I think is interesting. Uh, a an inquisitional cadre like. In the first Eisenhorn trilogy, uh, there's a particular marine that becomes uh, attached to Eisenhorn's uh, group as they're uh, on that weird alien world, and I think um, that's good fun. And again, an Inquisitor has a particular view on the world that means they're you know they're going to do some things that's questionable. That a marine's like, I think that's heresy, and a, an inquisitor's going to like, no, that's not heresy. I'm actually doing the emperor's yeah. work. It's like, also sure. <laughs> YouTube um, TV series. Is oh, Astartes is Astartes where the inquisitor is summoning something. It all goes a bit wrong, and there's two marine guys ahead. So he may be going, no, I've got this under control, but no, nah, no, nah, 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 you've not. So yeah, they will respect inquisitors, but they again, they have their own kind of ideas of what is right and what is wrong. And inquisitors do tend to push those ideas a lot. 
And you can play Death Watch, is I think the other one, if you really want to go with the uh, really, you know, everyone's Marines, but you're all from different chapters uh, because that's how the Death Watch operates. You're like this, um, you know, you're the A team of Space Marines that are uh, brought forward by the Ordo Xenos to eliminate some alien threat. And when we say alien threat, it doesn't have to be Eldar, it doesn't even have to be Gene Silicon, it could be something, you know. From the very, yeah, exactly. From the very shadows of the Imperium, something in you know, lying in wait. And I think some of the new artwork in the new 40k rulebook uh, has some like, like crazy ideas of what these aliens could look like. Um, they could be short and bearded, yeah, exactly. So, I think that's also interesting as playing like an auto xenos like Death Watch, though. Yeah. I think. There's a lot of scope to play Marines at different levels. You could be a single Marine who's attached to like a squad of guardsmen because of whatever's going on on this godforsaken world. So yes. everyone's the, playing the guardsmen. Yeah, exactly. And the Marine is just, you know, there because he's cut off from the rest of his group, yeah. but takes it upon himself to like, you know, I guess lead, but also, you know, do the bidding of these guardsmen because amongst them is mostly I don't know a commissar and an astropath maybe um, trying to perform some great mission. Uh, I think there's just a lot you can do with marines, which is more in that is really interesting. And then attached to it, where they're in a in a group of like a rogue trader or a, with guardsmen or inquisitional cadre or some sort such. That gives you the chance then to look more deeply at how Marines do what they're meant to do, but away from their their home world and away from yeah. but away from the front lines still. Because as you said, Marines like bless everything and have rituals. Yeah. How do they do those rituals when they're on board a rogue trader ship where they're most probably expected to come dine with the captain at least once a week or something, or stuff like that? Or they're on a, an inquisitorial uh, mission and it's very, uh, it's more back ops than most inquisitors. So they have to travel on really small crafts that don't have room for, for their, for their um, stuff. So how, how does a marine deal with the loss of its space to perform the rituals? Um, Me. Also, that actually brings up a good question. It's like, if it's really, truly, like, ultra black ops, like, and there's a Marine part, there's a Marine that's part of the group, but they're, like, having to really lay low. What's a, Mar you know, a Marine out of his armour? Yeah. How does a Mar an eight-foot, eight foot, ten-foot tall superhuman hide it? I think fairly easy, because Ogrims are around. <laughs> <laughs> Take his armour and put a big cloak over it. Uh, we, but um, the they're not used as genetic stock for space marines, but Goliaths are, are, mm -hmm. are as big, are as big, if not bigger than marines at times. So, yeah. well, they're, they're genetically pumped full of drugs to be big. So, um, they're genetically made, so bred just, to be that way. So, just a bit weirder and nastier Goliaths and more Simpsons. More stupid, definitely. Yeah. Um, so that's a that's an interesting thing to look at. Um, 
obviously, yeah, so there's a lot there about the fish out of water, the warrior monk amongst the rest of human society trying to potentially fit in or not. Um, what else have we got? We've got uh, not all Marines are indoctrinated successfully. Look at Dark Angel. <laughs> yeah. What was this uh, note? Uh, so I, I put this in because one of the ways I don't play big, big off battles. I don't play those kind of epic sweeping things. I like to look at kind of what the more gritty side of the of the world, the, the real grim dark, and I look look at kind of how different worlds have developed and things. Um, and so I'm always more interested in marines who aren't that shiny ultramarine kind of hero. Um, and that something might have gone wrong. So they've been detached from a company for a long time. They've not been able to get back to their own um, chapter. So they've, 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 gone, they've gone rogue. Or the indoctrination took and then something happened and, it's, and they're starting to lose it and they're starting to question the Imperium. Um, so the episode that we did a couple of weeks ago for... Um, Fanboy 3, where we looked at heroism within the 40k universe. Yeah. Maybe an ultramarine has been so indoctrinated, so on the opposite side, I mean, it's been so indoctrinated into the Imperial cult that he can't cope with the idea of exterminators. He's trying to save these people, but he's now got to destroy a planet. How has that affected his mindset? And obviously, we've also got to look at the Dark Angels in the city. In where that chapter split in half, half of them quit the, and, and, and turned heretic. And so we, they, they still live with this stigma and it still happens. Something within the Dark Angels gene seed still allows some of them to occasionally flip and fall heretic and become the fallen. So there is something darker within the space marines that they're not always these heroes. They're not always these shining beacons and they can fall um so i've put in here as well can they be are can is are you going against the forces of chaos have they been truly trained properly to deal with the temptations and psychic attacks from the war um we know the gray knights can deal with that because that's what they're designed for but is a normal tactical space marine going to be fully prepared for a full-on psychic attack but then if if they're not prepared then the rest of the group's a bit buggered as well so um but it's kind of like, that's how I like to look at. Um, I kind of want to look at beyond that shiny mass battle look that is kind of the common image for Warhammer 40k. And go dark, and that's kind of why I put that in there. And also, I like poking fun at Dark Angels and Dark Angels players because they're all heretics, honest. So, and this is the point: is like Marines are also long lived as well, yeah. and you know. They are they are individuals in their own right, uh, I think, and that means you know they have their own history, their own battlefields they've been to, uh, things they've survived and seen, and are, uh, armies in their own right. So I think they bring a lot to a game of wrath and glory rather than just being the tank, the person that yeah. goes in and kills things. I think there's a lot of role play potential with them to get into. The fact that these giant killing machines are fighting to defend the Imperium and the very uh, flawed humans around them, 
And yet that's what they're striving to protect because ultimately a Marine is only ever going to be a Marine, but humans are ultimately on the pathway to becoming like the Emperor himself. Yeah. Um, so, which again reinforces the point that Marines aren't human. They, they're pushed away from it, which which really gets yeah. to the point that they're, they're the worst, our final things we should say about Marines, they are the worst male power fantasy out there because oh, they are yeah. not human. They are not human. Very like this gets back to things of let's just talk about briefly. We can insert about talking about Kingdom Death as a as an example. Kingdom Death uses the horror of pervert of perverting and corrupting the very things that make us human, which is why it's a, yes. got a very particular body horror that has elements of of sexual horror in there, which is the perversion of the human body of um, procreation and what we do. And in the same vein, then, you know, Marines are thus horror of that because they are stripped of as much as possible of what makes them human in order to defend human to, to defend humanity. And it removes what makes them like if we if we assume most Marines are, are born male, well they're not anymore. It, what is there is gone. I mean it's only the pervert perversions of the chaos gods that return to them the very things how, that how, them. You can look at it. how far does that then take them? How much because they are, they they know what they are no longer, and they were human once, but that would have been hundreds of years ago. So, yeah. how have they lost that empathy? So they're trying to protect these things, but do they actually really care about these small squishy things that die when you shine a light at them? Um, it, that can also be brought over to the. Um, as a quick side note, the playing. A Stormcast Eternal within Soulbound. It's the same kind of idea. Um, have the soul, do the Soulbound lose, no, do the Stormcast lose their um, empathy as they keep on getting reborn and start losing themselves. So, yeah. But in the game, when you're playing it, obviously, as, as the player, you obviously have to have empathy for your other players. You have to understand the, the other players in the group. And you have to be kept. Um, be aware that you are in a group, you're in a game with people. Yeah, you're playing a, a, a demigod in a way who might have lost some empathy and might have gone down this horror route. Um, but you are not that character. You are with a group of friends around a table creating a story. Um, and as we say quite regularly with the Darker, Darker Days radio stuff, be respectful of other players. So. Cool. I think we covered basically everything to do with Space Rings um, on a on a rather you know a good overview and okay. how to play them uh, without and, going into individual chapters. Oh god, yeah, there's tons there, and you know, Wrath and Glory yeah. does support a lot of this. You can play a Scout, you can play a Space Marine, you can play a Primaris Marine. And, you know, there's a lot of customability, customizing, so you can play, potentially you could play like a tier four marine who's a librarian because they've got psychic powers. Uh, you could play, uh, you know, a rune priest. Uh, you could play a one of the fallen, uh, you know, of the dark angels. 
yeah, there's a lot of room to play lots of interesting uh, games. And as I said, they don't have to just all be Marines killing something. They can be, it can be a lot more in-depth than that. With that done, um, so if everyone wants to obviously contact us and, and ask us more about uh, Warhammer RPGs and all flavors, they can contact us at darkadaysradio at gmail.com. They can tweet us at darkadaysradio. They can go on Facebook, darkadaysradio. They can find images of minis being painted and so forth at Darker Days Radio on Instagram. They can find David's personal stuff on uh, Rising Sun Studio. Rising Sun Painting Studio? Yeah, I got it. Rising Sun Painting Studio, yep. On Instagram and on Facebook. You can find Hashtag on Instagram. Yeah, and you can find painting guides and uh, stuff like that on our Darker Days Radio WordPress, which is our blog. And I think the only other thing to say is obviously if you want to discuss more of this with us you can come over to our discord channel which you know it's not that most there's there's plenty of people there to chat to it's it's under control you're not going to find someone railing about oh god god knows what like oh, the best. you won't find someone going oh they're really making warhammer 40k really you know really for the social justice Warriors, blah blah blah, like none of that crap, okay? Because and yeah, people like both Warhammer Fantasy and Age of Sigma. You don't have these haters. Yeah, you can in, and you can enjoy, as we said, with the heroism in 40k. You can enjoy the level of darkness in these games as much as you want. If you want to, if you, again, if you want to play Space Marines, if you want to do a game of RPG Space Marines in Wrath and Glory, but you're running it for your kids who are like I don't know, anywhere between ages, let's just say. 12 to 15. You're like, I think we'll tone down the chaos warriors that they're not all slanashy, perverted, crazy people, or tone down the body horror or some of the other stuff and just keep to the, the heroics. Do that. Please, There's loads of please, out there. Please do that and enjoy it. Crack out the miniatures, a role play game, have them talk to the imperial citizens and do the heroics and save the children and all that stuff. By all means, do it because it's a totally valid way of playing. Uh, and if you are doing it, that's what you're doing. Email us about it and tell us about it. Tell people seven because that's great. We want to know about it. Um, but that is everything. Um, and with that, thank you again, David, for helping me go through the the uh, vast, well, try and condense the vast amount of information about Space Springs into about an hour. Yeah. Uh, and also the Games Workshop news and Cubicle 7 news. And again, <laughs> Again, everyone else, thank you for listening, and please stay tuned for future episodes of Dark Hammer and Dark Days Radio.